You're here and I am so glad. This is the HR for Her podcast. I am not quite sure how you found us, how you landed here, but I'm glad that you are. HR for Her, what is that all about? Well, this is for you. If you are a human resource professional, leader, practitioner, influencer, consultant, or if you're a diversity leader, consultant, or if you're an industry leader, business leader, if you are in a position where you are concerned about what is happening for women in the workplace, then you have landed in the right place. Because the HR for Her podcast is totally dedicated for helping HR professionals create the strategies, the policies, the procedure to make sure, ensure that women are positioned to function in the roles that they need to so their organizations can actually outperform the rest. And studies have already shown us this is not a fairy tale, that when women are sitting in those positions, that that's exactly what happens. Their companies outperform. And so all we need is your support to do that. We need the support of the human resource professionals. We need the support of our business leaders to make that happen. And we are totally focusing on the HR professional and the HR leader because we know that you have the tools, the resources, and the influence to impact the culture of your organization. And that's what we're going to be discussing on this podcast. We're going to be bringing in other leaders who have done it and sharing with us their secret strategies on how they did it. They're going to be pulling back the curtain and opening up their toolbox and handing it over to you so we can do this together. That is what I am super excited about. And you're asking, is that really important right now? Absolutely. Women are the answer to this worldwide crisis. We know that gender is important. That's why we had it on our strategic plans. And this is the perfect time. We are in a worldwide crisis. Yes, we are. And the last time we were in a worldwide crisis, when was that? 2008, 2009? And during that time, we saw that women were the ones who led us out of that crisis. And women are the ones who could have prevented that crisis. We just listened a little better. But nevertheless, here we are, and we're about to take this crisis, and we're going to solve the problem. And that's why we need you, HR leaders, to be positioned and ready, ready to give your business leader the information that they have. That's why we're called business partners, because we are sitting there with the resources to make a difference. And you're wondering, oh, my leaders don't want to hear from me. They don't want to talk about gender diversity at a time like that. I want to tell you studies have shown and history have shown us that when this last time this crisis happened, 69% of the organizations didn't touch their gender diversity goals. They didn't do anything to their gender diversity programs. And when I say they didn't touch them, I'm saying that they didn't touch their budget. They kept their gender diversity goals at the forefront of their minds, of their policies, of their goals, of what they were working on to get them out of that crisis. They understood that women were their secret weapon to get them from where they are to where they wanted to be. Now, did I say that they didn't reduce any programs? Oh yeah, they did. 22% of them did make some changes to their HR programs. And if you were in HR at that time, you felt it. 
but they didn't touch their gender diversity programs. And so that's why at this time, we as HR leaders need to be paying attention to what's going on. We need to be ensuring that we are giving the influence that we have and sharing that influence and driving and steering and guiding policies to make sure the players that are in the seats have the right players in those seats and that are, that's the women. We need women. So who is this on this mic going back and forth, all this rant about women? My name is Sable Badaki, also known as the Global HR Girl. And I have spent for the last 20 years developing talent management programs and development programs focused on all areas of gender and sometimes just on the areas of gender diversity. I've worked in several countries in Africa, as well as in the United States. But enough about me. Let's talk about how we are going to change this. Because I know if your organization is just like any other organizations, they're starting to experience a little bit of diversity fatigue. They're starting to get a little tired of talking about diversity, creating diversity programs. What is diversity? I mean, come on. Look at how many different areas of diversity we have started out with. First, it was diversity. Then it was diversity inclusion. Then it was diversity equity inclusion. And then we said it was about race. Then we said it was about gender. Then it became about gender, race, and now about personality. How do you think? How do you thought? What's your thought process? How do you work with other people? So today and for the rest of this podcast, we're just going to be focusing on gender diversity. We want to combat that diversity fatigue by focusing not only just on women, by coming up with strategies and coming up with programs that actually work. Because let's tell the truth, the numbers are not really working for us. The programs that we're doing, they're not giving us the results and the outcomes that we were expecting. And we can say that there are not enough women to make a difference, that women are shy, women are confident, they're not enough. We can say all of that, but I don't think that's what's happening because I've read enough and seen enough to realize that women are ready. They have the skills, they have what it takes, and they are ready to make a difference in their workplace. I mean, come on, look at the classrooms. 50% of those seats, especially in universities and colleges, are women. We see that women are getting MBAs and master's degrees. 47% of those degrees have gone out to women. And we're thinking, oh, maybe that those women are just studying basket weaving. Of course not. We see that 61% of the accounted seats are women are filling those chairs. And if that's the case, and 53% of financial managers and 31% of financial analysts, why are we only seeing 12% of women in the CFO chair? So we see that there's something happening in that pipeline from women going from the seat in university to the C-suite. And that's what we have the power to control. We as HR have the power to control that. How many more equal pay days do you want to celebrate knowing that this equal pay day gap, this wage gap that we keep talking about is not going to be solved unless women work another 70 days per year. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to see the women in your organization do that? Absolutely not. And so we have to come up with ways to close this gap. We have to figure it out because as it stands, that 70 days that I'm talking about they are going to be work extra per year is only for white women, for them to be able to work 
the same salary as a white heterosexual male. When we start talking about African-American women, they're going to have to work until 2130 before they're starting to see that. Do you want to celebrate another 130 equal paid days waiting for women to actually get equal pay? And what are the Latinx, what are they going to do? Because they're not going to see it into 2224. And I don't even know, is your company going to still be around in 2224 to give equal pay? So I'm exhausted of celebrating Equal Pay Act or talking about having Equal Pay Act and knowing that these are the kind of numbers that are out there before we can even see a difference. And so why am I talking to HI leaders about this? Because we actually control it. We control the purse seats. And I know you're going to say, no, CFLs do that. That's what the finance department does. But we control the points of discussion of salary. We control the points of discussion of compensation. We're there offering the salaries at hiring, at promotions, at performance appraisals. We're the ones who are doing the market-based pay. We're the ones who are looking at compra ratio. And so why are we not thinking of ways to remove the part that really has hurt women the most? Negotiation. Do we remember the old salesman in the parking car lot negotiating the sales price of the car? Are they still doing that? No. We now buy cars and they tell us, that's it, no negotiation. And so this is what I'm saying. We need to start thinking about ways for us to actually give the women in our organization a level playing field. And we can do that. We can do that. We have the resources to do that. And it's affecting us in so many different ways. So let's think about it. Some of the things that we have in our organization, our mentorship programs, our sponsorship programs, where we're helping women move um, up the pipeline or through the pipeline to these C-suites, those programs are starting to crumble simply because some of our other programs are not very effective. We're seeing that our mentorship programs, well, we have them. We can't really necessarily legislate what we do in our mentorship program is we're putting uh, people together so they can improve our technical skills. But sponsorship, where really it happens, when someone's sitting in that room advocating for our women, saying why she should get that job, those we can't legislate. And the Me Too movement and sexual harassment, because we have not gotten our sexual harassment programs together, are affecting that. And people are pulling back and not wanting to participate in the way that we know that they should and they could. And it's because our sexual harassment programs are not working effectively. We have had zero tolerance and it is not working simply because women are not ready to stand up and complain or file a complaint against someone because of the fact that that person could lose their job. And so it's kind of making them apprehensive. They're also concerned about the retaliation. You've seen it and I've seen it. When women report sexual harassment, the retaliation of no promotions, transferred, fired. So why is this happening? Because our sexual harassment programs are not working. And so therefore we need to work on them because these are the things that are holding women back. What's holding women back is that this access also 
to jobs, jobs that are so important. You know those pivotal jobs, the ones that actually give you the face time with the right people, those jobs that give you the P&L responsibility, those jobs that are so important that once you get those jobs, you know, they're kind of like the career makers, the game changers for them. How many of our women are lined up for those jobs? How many of our sponsorships or our sponsors are talking about women to get those jobs? How many of our mentors are grooming women for those jobs? That's what's critical. And that is what we can do in HR. We can look at those job descriptions and look at them again and ask ourselves, are those skills really necessary? Are we putting things in those job descriptions that are not even necessary and they're blocking the women who need to be in those jobs? Because we already know that women don't apply for jobs that they're not 100% qualified, not because they don't think they can do the jobs, simply because they're playing by the rules. And so we need to make sure that those rules are fair. We need to make sure that this is a level playing field. And we can do that, HR. We can do that because we are the ones who are actually control of these areas. And so when we think about it, awesome, how are we helping in terms of combating against race and gender expectations? These are the things that are getting in the way of women excelling. The gender and race expectations. When performance appraisals are coming out, are we expecting more from women than we are from other people? Are we expecting more from our women of color than we are from their white male counterparts? These are the kind of conversations that we need to be having. And these are the kind of conversations that we're going to be having on HR for Her. We're going to be talking about these different areas and how we can have better strategies, better policies, better processes. So this way, we can now see women excel and actually achieve our diversity goals. So this way, they're not just another checklist or just another item that we're working on, but we actually have real ways to achieve them. What are we doing? Blind recruiting, and that's working. So what else can we work in? What else can we do? So I am super excited that you're here. I want you to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and join us because there are going to be more conversations not just about what has happened, but about what you can do. I see this as a partnership, a collaboration between us and you or you and I, because we cannot do this just by one company. All of us in our collective organizations, as we get these resources, as we begin to implement, we're going to see your change. So you have the resources. Now we just have to use them. This is not about creating a checklist. This is about creating an action list, an action list that we are going to see to make a difference in our gender diversity in our organizations. And how are we going to do that? Together. So stay tuned on HR for Her. Subscribe, tell your friends about it, tell your colleagues about it, so we can make sure gender diversity stays on top. That's a wrap. And thanks for joining us for the HR for Her podcast. And if you would like to find more ways for creating a workplace where the women in your organization will thrive, then go ahead and do two things. One, download our gender policy checklist at our site, hrforher.com, and find out how your company measures up. And two, subscribe now to our channel and leave a review. We would love to hear from you.